Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are now joined by myself, Fern. And myself, Big Z. And this is... This is Spoke. We now finish each other's sentences off. How beautiful is that? It's just wonderful. This episode is all about LGBT experiences. Did you know it has been 50 years since the Stonewall riot? No, I didn't. Did you not know that? I didn't know, but I do. But that was a pivotal movement in the LGBT community. Also, in today's society, although there has been a lot of dramatic improvement in the treatment of LGBT people, there's still a long way to go. There's been a lot of strides forward. And you know what we'll also be talking about is the experiences of LGBT people of colour. Right, we've got Aisha Merza and Ben Hunt in the studio today. Very gassed, I can't lie. We're going to be having a wonderful conversation about LGBT, yeah, and their experiences. And 50 years after Stonewall. And how is everyone? <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah? Yeah, feeling good, yeah. Yeah. How was your breakfast? <laughs> yeah, well, I do not have belly breath because yeah. I actually had a decent breakfast. <laughs> so, yeah, you I'm feeling good. Um, obviously, Ben, I want to talk to you about recently you interviewed Billy Porter. Yes. Talk to me about that experience. What Billy Porter down? was a wonderful interviewee. As a black gay yeah. man myself, it was incredible to interview somebody who meant so much to me. Yeah. And I'm sure you understand. Like, it's when you interview some people, it can be a bit whack. You're kind of like, okay, I'm just going to go along to this. I'm going to kind of do it. We may be feeling it today but we're trying to kind of like ah, with LGBT affairs within the BBC I'm trying to bring it to the people a lot more and Billy Porter as an interview just meant so much to so many people within the community because he just he speaks truth and he speaks so openly and honestly about his struggles it's taken him so many years to get recognition for what he's doing and now as a 50 something year old black gay man he's finally getting the Jews that he deserved. So it was a really humbling interview to kind of speak to somebody like that. So break that down for us a little bit in terms of, um, yeah, what you got from it. Because Mm -hmm. speaking to somebody who is, I don't know, 30 years older than you must have been incredible. Yeah, he's been through a lot. Um, He's seen a lot within being gay in America and being gay in the UK are very different experiences. So Mm. even though we can kind of combine on the black gay experience and feeling a bit othered by the LGBT community, speaking to Billy Porter, kind of it brought home how much history there is around LGBT issues and affairs that for many of us who are younger, we just don't know about. Mm. Um, He was talking about losing friends in the HIV and AIDS crisis. He talked about the struggles of getting representation within the industry, Um, even doing various different roles dressed as women and then being neglected by the black community because they saw him as too feminine um, to Mm. be an actor. There was so much that he's been through and then it's great that he's obviously getting the clicks now and the recognition and like walking red carpets and slaying it but he's had such a journey to get to where he is and that was really humbling to hear. Does it make you feel more like confident in yourself to have a role model like that or do you think it changes and the same for yourself Aisha. Do you think role models in this um, in this topic really enable people to feel confident go for it what do you think um, yeah I don't think it does any harm no. at all I think um, it's a beautiful thing that we're at this place now where we're seeing like so many people who are interested and active and like able to be outspoken about the things that matter to them and who they are and their identities and like it's great. I mean, certainly the feedback that I get from younger people kind of seeing what me and some of my peers are doing like in nightlife or whatever um, make it sound as though it's a very helpful and like soothing thing to know that there's yeah. people out there doing stuff. 
You're talking about nightlife. Could you elaborate yeah. on that for the people then? Yeah. Let yeah. them know what kind of things that mm-hmm. you do. Um, okay, so I recently started um, a club night and it's also like a mental health hub for the Cutie Pot community. Do we know Cutie Pot? Is that an abbreviation we're using? I don't, I don't, I've, I ain't had that before. Yeah. No. It's like queer trans POC, basically, or you can put a okay. B in there. So it's like black people and people of color. Okay. And intersex as well. But it's just like kind of an umbrella term for like a community of people who I, I think recognize, as we were talking about earlier, that they're like queer or gay or like trans mm. or whatever it is it's happening for them. They're also a person of color or a black person. And okay. that's like a whole experience. And that's yeah. only like maybe two of like the identity markers mm. that we're talking about. There might also be like a mental health thing going on or like a, some kind of disability thing going on, like whatever it is. Mm. Um, so it's just about carving out a space for those kinds of people so I started um, there's a few there's quite a few nights that like mm. cater specifically to like that group so there's like Pussy Palace and yeah. Babes yeah. and like yeah. there's a lot going on and it's amazing um, and so I think what I wanted to do was start one that was like more mental health focused specifically because yeah. I think we're in this place now where it's like it is 50 years you know since Stonewall and like yeah. things have moved on in all of these ways and there's acceptance and tolerance in new ways and all of that. Um, but I think also this space that we've had to like carve out an identity f- for ourselves and like gather resources for ourselves has also meant that we've realized like what we need even more. And like um, I think mental health support is one of them. So mm. I started this club night called Misery and it's a sober club night and it's like centers like mental health and healing and stuff. So we're still, it's still very early. So we're playing around with it, but it's going down very well. And I think people yeah. really needed like a bit of an alternative somewhere where they don't have to like necessarily like be hot or like, you know, like be <laughs> wasted or, you know, because yeah. like, we replicate a lot of the same kind of like tricky narratives and like oppressions within our communities as well so like it was just about noticing where we're doing that and like mm. providing something a bit different and is that a night for anyone um it's it's like it's a night that centers like queer people trans people and people of color mm. and i think also anyone who feels like they need a sober space because there are like so few yeah. um that like if anyone is is needing that then like i would never turn them away right. but it's it's also amazing because there's been so much work done specifically around race and and like class and gender and sexuality and how they Mm -hmm. all interact now and like we're in such a different place now in terms of people's understanding of that Mm -hmm. I can say I can quite comfortably say like on a flyer like white people if you want to come you can and please like pay more on the door and also um, that's mad watch how much space you take up and I feel like I can say that and like the majority of people will get it and they'll like act accordingly Mm -hmm. and that's because of like all the work we've been doing up to this point you know it's been like a long 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 battle to get there but you know people are like can I bring my white girlfriend I'm like yeah do they know how to act you know Mm. and people know what that means and they'll have that conversation with their white Mm. partner before they come out if they have to Mm. or they'll tell them to go do it themselves they don't have to like do that education work or whatever you know but like we're just in an amazing place right now because of the work that everyone's been doing it's really exciting um, speaking of white partners, Ben, you have a white partner. Oh, yes. Yeah. So talk to us about how that relationship. <laughs> that was a good You're welcome. Right? <laughs> yeah. So talk to us about how that relationship relationship came about, and obviously being a black man, mm-hmm. the first, um, yeah, the first kind of time that you told your parents. Yeah. So let's let's think back. Uh, before I was actually the BBC's first LGBT correspondent, and not yeah. only that, their That's youngest amazing, correspondent, yeah. Yeah, that their is one of only like, two black correspondents, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Before all of that, yeah, I man. was an LGBT YouTuber. So mm. I had a YouTube channel um, which was specifically part, uh, specifically based around being in an interracial relationship. Because it's something that you don't talk about in the gay community too much. You mm. usually, as a black person or a person of color, you're kind of sidelined um, and you don't really get to mix and mingle in the same way as you would if you were white. You're not platformed in the same way. Yeah. If I scroll through most of my friends' Instagram pages and see their explore pages, which shows you other pages based on what you like, we, for one of the other days when we were at Pride, it took about five minutes to find a single black person on their explore page because the Instagram algorithm just doesn't favor black or people of color who are queer. So we started this YouTube account to basically talk about our relationship and talk about what it's like to be in an interracial relationship and be queer. Mm. And it popped off. 
it literally yeah. popped off. And in the same way as if you look at like socials at the moment, um, I had to start new accounts to to take on this role because previously I was working for BBC Africa, which didn't allow me to be LGBT facing. So I kind of went from having a huge voice about LGBT issues, having no voice about LGBT issues, to now once again having a big voice about LGBT mm-hmm. issues. So we've got like different accounts for all of yeah. this. <laughs> but you'll see that there's a huge amount of like support and appreciation for people just being open about their relationship. I don't feel now that the race thing really comes into it as much as it previously did. I think we're in a very good time mm. um, where people are very aware of their race, um, as you were saying, where I think why people are very aware of the, the privilege that they hold and the power that they hold. And some people are trying to do things about that. So I don't make a big thing of the fact that it's an interracial relationship anymore. I think that time has passed, but it is just, it's a big mood to have a partner and platform them and talk about your experiences of being in a relationship. It's something that straight people do all the time. On my way here, seeing straight people kissing in the street, it's something that gay couples usually would not do. There's Mm. a lot of straight privilege out there. And I guess in my role as LGBT correspondent, I'm just trying to give the people something different Mm. and just show that you can actually be in a positive, supportive, loving environment in a relationship where your parents will accept you, your friends will accept you, and your partner will accept you. So Mm. what was it like for you coming out? Um, my coming out was an absolute mess. I was outed in school and then I was forced to leave the school. Um, wow. Where that, did you go to school? <laughs> there's going to be a very good documentary on that coming up. Very okay. Soon okay. Um, but I went to school in East London okay. and um, it was an all boys school and it was a grammar school. And yeah, it was just a bit of a mess, to be honest. But I was not feminine I was not very flamboyant Mm. I just fell in love with one of my best friends we both had girlfriends at the time and this person got really scared and decided to out me to Mm. everybody and as a result of that then left the school went to a community college and basically that's where my life started because as a result of that I found my true friends Mm. I found an environment where I could be myself Um, the college was very much like skins it was just (laughs) it was wild like people didn't turn up to classes people Uh. just kind of like their best lives went partying like literally having sex in fields and stuff it's like what is this world (laughs) so yeah it it kind of like it allowed me to actually experience what other people were going through so Mm. yeah no ill will but so to cut you what was the support system from the school at the time then well it was bad because they kicked me out yeah Yeah. so it was was awful but why would they kick you out at, at, at such a sensitive time in your life that's that's what i'm trying to that's what i'm finding hard to grasp like it happens to a lot of people, to be honest. Um, mm. More than you'd think. It's mm. I can't really explain it. It's, it's something that... Being gay in straight spaces is very difficult to describe to someone mm. who hasn't felt that kind of yeah. adversity before. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost... I mean, we're all people of colour here, so it's all it's almost like walking into a room full of white people mm. and trying to own that space. Yeah. It's difficult. You have certain conversations that you don't even want to start. It's it's a tough space. Mm. So when you add the sexuality into it, think we're actually very accepting of race nowadays. We're not accepting of sexuality. You have no idea how people are going to react. Mm. When you're entering that space and you're the only gay person within that, you do feel, or I at least, feel a certain way. Mm. And when that happens in school, when you're trying to find your identity and find your voice, it's even worse. Because you don't have that support. You you have, well, now you have YouTube, you have like Instagram, whatever, to kind of like see there's people like you. When I was growing up, I legit thought I was the only black gay man <laughs> that was out there. Mm. There was nobody. I can imagine, man. Literally nobody. The first black gay man that I saw was um, Derek on Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah. yeah. Which was an awful example because then I immediately saw people kind of turning against him. Yeah. Um, and that was my only role model that I saw yeah. that was out there doing yeah. things. So yeah, it was an awful, awful time. Yeah. But um, things are changing. Yeah, yeah, man. And how about yourself? Do you remember when you first came out? <laughs> yeah, I was like deeply, deeply in denial for a really long time, actually. I yeah. came out when I was like 25. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, which I'm very grateful for in a way. I feel like that denial protected me from a lot. <laughs> like, mm. you know, because um, I think it would have been an absolute mess if I'd been younger. Um, also, I have like... I can't really talk about like queerness and race without talking about mental health because it's just kind of like <clears throat> where my work's at and like my own personal experiences as well. But I had so much mental health stuff going on that it kind of, I think for myself and for other people, just kind of distracted from like sexuality and like other things that might be going on because it just became like the focus of my identity for a while. Um, so 
Yeah, by the time I actually did like tell my mom, I was living in New York at the time, and I just like told her over the phone. I was just like, okay, I think I'm f- I'm far enough, I'm yeah. safe here. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> she can't like, get me here. I did I did tell her, and at that point, she was just like, oh yeah, I always knew you were multisexual. That's what she said. Okay, multisexual. <laughs> uh, multi- I know. <laughs> okay. she's, That's she's, the new one. You know, <laughs> she's yeah. head of the club. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's also. I have this thing where I feel like a lot of people's coming out stories are in some way in proximity to like tragedy or or death in a way. Like mm-hmm. I have a lot of like, especially like um, Asian, like South Asian friends mm-hmm. who like were able to come out once like an auntie had died or like some kind of tragedy had happened to kind of like put it in perspective. In this, yeah, or to like mask yeah. it in this way. So I think for me, like, you know, People, they're just happy I'm alive, you know. They're just like, okay, yeah. you're good, you're good. <laughs> you go do your like good, though, your stuff. Man. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Especially coming from a, a very a, lucky a, 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 a Asian like family, like yeah. I know that that must be that must be very tough. Like, do you know what I mean? There's like a lot of stereotypes in like the Asian community to like get married and have a big family, all this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And some people, I mean, yeah, I have a lot of friends who have to deal with things that yeah. I really haven't and it's like really yeah. an ongoing kind of crisis I think in mm. our community of people who like like Ben was saying like it's a mate you know if you can like you can show that there's so much joy and acceptance out there but sometimes for some people that is ne- that's never going to come from their family you know it's just not yeah. so it's also about like showing people that you can find that joy and acceptance in other places if you have right, to and it can feel good and but it, must, feel it must be hard no, if you if, if you know that your family are not going to back what you believe you know what I mean they're not going to mm. get behind you I think that's I think like for me just putting myself in someone's like shoes for me would be like where would I go if, completely you know what I mean because you're saying there's others like support yeah. systems so where would where would you tell someone to go well, if their family it. wasn't accepting it we're building them right that's okay. that is that's like that's what yeah. we're doing and that's kind of like the drive behind the work that like me and like a lot of people that I know who are like working in nightlife or working in community mm. organising or like whatever like whatever you're doing there's a way to like gear it you know yeah. towards supporting those people I think um, and there is a lot out there there's like an increasing amount as well you know like I'd say there's pretty much an event curated for like cutie pock people every week at this point in London Mm. um, which is really different from like four or five years ago Um, and it's not the same but it's never going to be you know like your mum accepting Mm. you for who you are and championing you and like that's why there are so many like queer people walking around with like a pain that's really never going to go but you, you just kind of I think you it's just about finding a way to live with it and finding as much love as you can in other places and like whether that is like the rave or like the book club or mm. you know there's there's options and mm. and I mean queer people are like the most resourceful people that have ever lived like you, you find a way you know the the one thing that kind of hits me I don't know about you Zoo but it feels like if you're in London you're kind of at an advantage if you mm-hmm. are queer for people outside of London who don't have this access to these communities what advice would you give that's really hard and yeah. I'm, I'm like I grew up in London like so I just don't have that experience at all but um, I suppose it would be like I mean from like a mental health standpoint it would definitely be like empathising with yourself as much as possible around that situation <laughs> and knowing that like it's not you know it's not your fault like if you're mm. feeling bad or shameful or alone or whatever it is because I think we can very easily internalize Mm. and blame ourselves a lot of the time like queer people people of color like any marginalized people can often you know easily go down that road of thinking there's something wrong with us right because that's what the world tells us right so I think that would be my main thing it's just like your situation might suck for a little while and it's not your fault and like the best thing you can do for yourself is to like know that and treat yourself as well as possible nurture yourself as well as possible so when the time comes that you can be in like you know a more uh, accepting and place for yourself then you'll be ready for that and also create the spaces that you would like to see if you can because there is that as well and that takes like that takes guts it does especially I guess outside of London or outside Mm -hmm. of the big city that must take a lot of do you have any advice Ben? I mean 
for me, social media is there for a reason. So yeah. you can mm-hmm. use that to kind of build a community. Um, but I think there's, there is also hope outside of London. I think it's, yeah, there's great stuff here, but we can't kind of see it as like this one like heavenly place where it's amazing to be LGBT. Mm-hmm. It isn't. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's okay. Yeah. We've got some great spaces here, but there's also some really trash spaces here. There's bad things that happen here. <laughs> I think that's applicable almost True. everywhere that you can be. Um, some of my closest friends grew up in villages outside of London, especially yeah. um, my partner, Tom. He had an incredible time being LGBT there okay. um, so he grew up in a, a village very close to Cambridge yeah. and he is one of the most confident gay people that I know he as a result of not being raised around other queer people he just doesn't really have queer interests so he plays football pretty much mm. every single day he's um, loves going to the gym he loves acting and whatever else but he's what most people would see as a very stereotypical straight man like he mm. doesn't he doesn't have like the gay vibe that I or many other people have from London because we did like go to those spaces when we were younger. Um, And as a result of that, he does have some privilege because he can enter some spaces in a very different way. He can hold himself in a straight conversation Mm. with straight men. It's, Mm. it's weird. Like it's, so I think there are some benefits if you don't grow up in London to, yeah, to, to your life and to what you can do. Yeah. That's that was mad yeah. interesting. Yeah. I mean, again, like he's white, so it's like it's so hard to like extrapolate that experience, like yeah. in a conversation he's actually about mixed race. This is okay. I wanted to talk okay, about okay. this. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this <laughs> because I got dragged the other day around this, and it's what makes someone bame. How mm. bame mm. do you need to be to be bame? Yeah. Tom is actually mixed race, so oh. his mum is Arab. Okay. Um, his official name is Tom Mifsud. So mm. he's technically on paper, he is more BAME sounding than I am. Mm. I am Ben Hunt. I mean, the E kind of gives something away on the end of my second name. <laughs> but I am more white sounding than him. Mm. And yet people always put him in the white bracket. I think it's so fascinating that we still haven't really had the conversation about race, about how BAME you need to be to be BAME. Mm. But he got a full scholarship to go to university based on him being um, from a lower working class, from Mm. being from a single parent family, from being an ethnic minority, et cetera, et cetera. So he's still benefiting from that system, but passing as white, even though he's not. So it is very interesting. That is really interesting, yeah. Yeah, so how do your family receive, I mean, how did your family receive you coming out and then the relationship as well? My family loved it. And this this is why I'm weird because (laughs) my family were just like, you know what, cool, it is what it is. And... I didn't see the negativity that I, I'm pretty much in, in constant conversation with on a daily basis now. Like, people come yeah. to me with stories of trauma and all of that. I have that from school, but I didn't have that from my, from my family. Yeah. Um, my godfather is gay. I was raised around him and his partner who've been in a relationship for like 40-something years. So I saw... Mm. I saw. That, I mean, I, until I came out, I didn't actually realise they were a gay couple. I thought they were just mm. friends, have to say. <laughs> but, yeah, when I suddenly came out, they kind of, like, outed their lives to me. I was like, this is really good, yeah. but this would have been really useful a few years ago but, anyway. <laughs> um, but it was yeah so I've, I've always I've always had a really supportive family and my, my family's right there and when Tom and I first got together we met on Tinder um, a few months later we decided to make it a relationship and when we did I was in the process of buying a house in East London so I said Jeez. look why don't you just come move in with my family and I and we can kind of like save together because mm. I don't want to commute to Peckham to see you all the mm. time because it's a journey and <laughs> so he moved in with my family so we were living living oh there for like six That's months bad, before I then got my flat and then he moved straight into my flat and then when I got my second property he was there doing that up with me as well and a nice little cute story is when our families first met um Tom and I were actually in America and um, my dad is like ex-trade is an ex-tradesman Tom's dad is currently a tradesman mm-hmm. and both our dads are like in their late 60s and um our dads both had enough ego to basically want to like do up the flat themselves. Uh. So Tom and I were in America and both of our dads were working on our flat together and that was the first time they actually met. Mm. So when we came back from America and kind of like walked into this incredible like fixed up apartment, our parents had been like staying in like separate rooms, like on mattresses, talking every day. So we came back and they were like best friends. It was really, really weird. So yeah, we've got um, a very positive experience. And to completely reflect that, um, I have lost several friends to suicide. Several of my friends have completed suicide who were black, um, who came out to their families. I've got some Asian friends as well who've done the same. Um, in fact, literally two weeks ago, one of my friends, I was I was told after eight months of not posting on like Facebook or anything like that, mm. was told that they actually took their life. So oh, it's... To hear that, the thing is, it is what it is. And that sounds awful, but 
within this situation, it's like I'm so numb to it. My first friend mm. that killed themselves was when I was like 16 or 17, and that was when mm. I was in my first college. Um, and then the next happened a few months after that. Um, it was a, a black gay guy who came out to his family who were um, a very Christian family and kind of mm. like ran churches and stuff. Mm. Um, the night that he came out to them um, and told them that he had a, a fiancé, um, his family rejected him and then he was found hung in his, in his room. Mm. It's so common yeah. mm-hmm. and I yeah. think the more that you're exposed to it the more numb you become yeah, so literally I can I can genuinely hand on heart say it is what it is and it really didn't affect me because it's just mm. so common yeah, yeah. yeah. it's mad no I was gonna say I also have a friend like a few yeah. months ago who killed themselves a, a queer person of colour and um, and it is it is happening all around mm-hmm. and I think that for me you know yeah, I think crazy. I made a choice to like either really like feel that or like do do something and I'm not mm. saying one is better than the other like feeling your feelings is great but I think for me I wasn't in a place where I could like feel that completely so that's kind of how misery like really got going the the party and the you know the mental health hub that I'm starting because I was just like um, I was actually in conversation with them about um, trying to start something for like just people who like mm. are a bit depressed to hang out together, you know, mm-hmm. for, for queer POC who are a bit depressed to hang out together. And we were in conversation about starting something and then they did, then they, they killed themselves. So I was like, all right, let's make this happen. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's very real out here, isn't it? It's so real. <laughs> it's really, it so, real. so yeah, for me is this is the next, the next frontier is, is mental health. And yeah. like, I mean, for everyone, like for, mm-hmm. for all the straight people, for everyone, mm-hmm. like for our parents, for everyone, but like particularly like, you know, for queer POC because you're just you're dealing with a lot. Yeah. Sorry to cut you. What yeah. do you think that um, straight people could do to help the situation? I feel like you've probably got some ideas, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, what can straight people do? Be a friend. Yeah. yeah. That's the main thing. Um, understand your privilege and be a good friend to a queer person. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's... I'm not even going to unpack it because this is the the problem is like it's there's so much to talk about. Yeah, of course. Get it's into like, it, though, man. Get also, into like, it. I think approaching without judgment. It seems like quite a basic thing, it's, but like I, it's I actually think it's so hard for people. Though. It is really hard for people, mm. and it's like it's a practice. It's like mm. a muscle you have to like. I have to as well. Like, and as a counselor, like in my work there, mm. you, it's it's every day you step into a space and you're like, you know, I come open, I come without judgment, I come mm. wanting to center that person and their needs rather than like what I think about who they are or what they could be yeah. doing or you know it's like it's really just listening like you said being a friend like being a non-judgmental friend yeah. um, and then also educating yourself whatever that means for you and whatever is like possible for you with the resources that you have or whatever but just like being curious enough about someone else's experience to like do some research you know it's interesting actually I had a, this conversation with my brother recently it's about having doubt and you can eliminate doubt or at least lessen doubt by educating yourself. Mm-hmm. Because once you educate yourself, then, yeah. Then, yeah, what you're scared of. I yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Do you think it is really about normalising, um, well, yeah, normalising LGBT? I hate that word. Usualising. <laughs> I think usualising is, is more important because none of us are normal what yeah. is normal mm. <laughs> literally, great, great literally, literally yeah. what is normal That's what true. is usual is what yeah. we see very often and I think we usually see straight couples in advertising we usually mm-hmm. see straight, yeah. couples, straight couples in the street kissing yeah. we see usual things yeah. um, I think what hurt me when I was younger was the fact that I didn't feel normal yeah. it was I thought that that was normal and I thought I was the other thing I thought yeah. like I was an alien mm. um so yeah, I think the more that we can utilize things, and we are seeing it a lot. I mean, the very fact that we're here. I mean, I, I'm guessing that your podcast is very straight facing. Mm-hmm. So the very fact that we're even talking about these issues and yeah. bringing it to a new audience is, yeah, that is utilizing yeah. the, the queer experience. Yeah, I think, I think a big sorry to cut you. I think a big okay. problem um, from from my view is the way that people sexualize like people in the LGBT community. I think like. Especially like when I was growing up, young people like young like young males around me like we talk if we talk about like people mm. that are gay or lesbian, they're instantly just thinking about what's going on in their in their sexual mm. life, mm. and I don't know what that is. Do you know what I mean? Because when you think of a straight person, I don't think about what's going on with. I think it's it, jealousy. You think it's jealousy uh, on some level, but, like, or like jealousy and curiosity. Sub, do you know what I mean? Because jealousy, curiosity, thing like partly. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. 
I, I probably agree. I'd agree with yeah, that, actually. I think it's the idea of being different. I mean, in this world, we are all fighting to be different. We are all fighting yeah. to be unique in some way. We are all, like, creating our own journeys on a daily basis, uploading it to the internet, and mm. hoping that we're all more interesting <laughs> than the next person. Mm. And genuinely, growing up, my life was so interesting. I was just like, I can't... Mm. It was so different and so unique. But in some ways, yeah, I do think people were quite jealous of, like, the... Just being different is yeah. just so powerful. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think there is there is an aspect of like jealousy in there. But then I think there's just a lot of fear as well. Yeah. Um, mm. For me, it was the fact that I was playing a lot of sport when I was growing up, and for for when people didn't realize that I was gay, they were telling me about, oh my god, like I'm so scared about guys being in the changing room who might be gay and blah blah. blah what they're gonna do mm. to me? All of that. Or when you're at parties and people mm. are just like, oh my God, I'm going to get drunk or I'm going to take this or whatever and I don't want gay guys coming on to me. It's just like, well, one, you're not even that good looking. No one's going to come <laughs> on to you. And stuff. It's just like, it's that element of fear in someone's mm. minds about what is going to happen. But yeah. usually, when literally nothing's going to happen. And then happen. also fear from, of their own desires at the same time. Oh, I'm right? glad you went I feel there. Like, I, was yeah, gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go there. It's like all of that. It's all of that mixed yeah. into one. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah. It's, yeah I think it's hard to accept though. I think... Like especially me growing up when I was young, I used to, I used to be a, I used to be a little idiot. I used to think like I used to judge the whole world. Like I used to be I used to be scared of trans people, bruv. I don't know why. I was scared of people that had plastic surgery when I was a little kid. So when I first saw a trans person, I was like, "Yo, this is bad weird." Mm. But then, I, I, like I, obviously getting older, the more I've worked with people, the more I've got I've gone into life. When I started doing like youth work and stuff, when I was mm. at when I was at eighteen, so I, I, I had to start working with different types of people, different types mm-hmm. of ideologies, and made me. Re- that's when I broke myself down. Mm. Yeah. I looked at myself and said, "How can I judge anyone for mm-hmm. any decision that they make?" You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I feel like growing up, it was hard because if you felt differently, I felt like all the people around me think, "Yo, why do you why do you rate that? Like, why do you, you why do you, why are you going along with that? Like, that's not normal. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if there was like we we had someone in 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 my school that was um that was gay, and I was really good friends with him. Like, I sleep at his house and that, mm-hmm. yeah. And I used to get this like, oh, what was you not doing mm-hmm. yesterday? Yes. I was I was I'd be like, bro, who's watching music videos? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. He was my good, good friend, and I still see and I see him to this day. Like mm. I see his mom, and it's like we got a lot of love. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But when I was growing up, I used to go to this guy's house, yeah, chill at his house, chill with his family, go to him with school. I just he was just my brethren. Mm. But people used to always get onto me, like, "What are you lot doing?" Da, 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 da. And it's just that pressure, yeah. like, like on him at such a young age as well. We was like, mm. we was thirteen. Mm. Do you know what I mean? What were we doing at thirteen? Yeah, and he'd come out that. Like, now he didn't come out. He didn't yeah. come. He came out when he was a bit older. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, it was one of them where, just just the way that he was, his man was yeah. the, the kind of person he was. People just used to love to put him in the yeah. box. But I used to always have to tell people, you know what? He's just like us, you know. Like, yeah. me and him to sit down and just watch like Nicki Minaj music videos and that, and just talk <laughs> about the chicks and that. You know what I mean? Like, he may not be talking about it like me, but you know what I mean. We're yeah. both we're both connecting. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's hard. I think it's hard, especially like where I'm from. Like coming from the ends and that, like man are just stuck in their ways. Purely because they don't want to look different to someone else. They don't want to be like, mm-hmm. well, I got a different way of thinking to you, you know. Just because people don't want to pull up their friend. I've had to pull up my friend sometimes and they look at me like, who do you think you are? Like, yeah. you think you're like a savior or something? Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? There is definitely a sn- uh, stigma around it. And I think like that is, that is something that is very hard to deal with as a kid. And mm. even, and, and I guess it shapes the way you think or feel for mm. a long time until you are. Corrected. Oh yes. Yeah. Yep. I think obviously kids are immature, isn't it? Kids are immature, and I feel like nowadays, obviously, we're, we're becoming more um, exposed to things. You know what I mean? Like when, I, like especially in like movie roles, I feel like movies are are, are are sick because they're so like inclusive now. Not all movies, you know what I mean? But there's certain roles in movies that you would have never seen before. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like just that include all types of people, so I think it's sick because what's that doing is it's making you more open to this stuff. Like you were saying, when you was growing up, your your only representation was from Big Brother. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Which is which is crazy. Yeah. But now you look at things; things are different. Like there's there's, yeah. there's 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 adverts that include all types of people. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's mm. what is sick is that it's about that representation. I think representation is is very important. I think for some, I think it's some people like they've gone through their whole life, no one in their family's gay. Yeah. Or lesbian, no one. They don't. They have never met no one. So for for them, it's like, how am I supposed to become, like, how am I supposed to become accustomed to this? But you shouldn't have to. Do you know what I mean? That shouldn't mm. be a barrier. But mm. 
it's a barrier that's part of, I think it's by society. Like, I think it's a divide and conquer thing. Like, the more that the more that we're not together, the easier it is to control. Obviously, that's like a little super emotional yeah. society thing. But I just think that they, there's barriers that they put in place to break us down. Like, do you know what I mean? And I think sexuality is one that they're using, they're using very well. But I think yeah. things are changing, though. I don't know. That's from my standpoint. Things are definitely changing from sexuality perspective. But I think in gender, things are getting worse. Um, I think that things are really bad at the moment for transgender people um, mm. and individuals. Um, I and, felt like that's yeah. like the next step now. I feel like that's the next step that people are trying to like um, make people become more used to and less like less like like. I remember when when Caitlyn when Caitlyn Jenner like came out and it was like. Everyone was like, wow, this is so mad. But if you if you actually watch Keep Out of Kardashians, it wasn't like a super mad thing. Like mm. you knew that this is what he wanted. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Especially especially the kind of person that he was. But like when it happened, I remember just seeing all the jokes online, all the things online. Like you could really see like mm. the, what he was going, he was like a standpoint for for a lot of trans people, I think, for coming out because he took such a backlash. Mm-hmm. But then the exception that he got from all the celebrities, all the people around, I think it made people realize, right, like. We need to start looking at the way we mm-hmm. we start dealing with people because like that hate that he was getting online was mm. crazy. But then the love that he got from the celebrities, yeah. I think it kind of like reinstalled to people like, you know what, this guy's my guy. Like, do you know what I, I mean? think like, I think she would use she pronouns now as well. I say so. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's just like yeah. it's it's all of that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right? I get you. And then like, yeah. I get you. And it's interesting in the topic of gender. Do you think that it is a privilege to be a woman, um, more so than to be a man and being gay? <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Like, is it easier to be like a gay woman than a gay man? Right, exactly. No. (laughs) I mean, I've never really done the like mental gymnast, like I've never tried to like really pit them against each other I think yeah. there's a, they're just diff, there's different experiences and yeah. like and I'll be talking about cis women or like trans women as well you know like there's like mm. there's so much there um, I think yeah it's, it's, a re- it's a really interesting question I think historically like women because um, they are expected in so many societies in so many ways to be like domestic whatever and do things within the home and like mm. do, do it together and raise children together and stuff <laughs> that there's been obviously like legacies and histories of like women being really gay together and raising families and kind of getting away with that in a way that's not, as you know, it's not as obvious as mm. if, like, two men were going to do it, whatever. Um, uh, but then but then being a woman is really hard, you know, and, like, has its own violence. And also there's, like, an invisibility to, like, lesbianism that can feel really difficult because it's just kind of, like, not taken very seriously in a okay. way, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's just yeah, kind of, like... Um, Maybe because there's no like dick involved or something. It's just like I think honestly, like part of it is you know it's it's around that or like not like a certain kind of dick anyway. So um, yeah, there's I don't know. There's pros and cons, I suppose, all around. What do you think then? From the conversations I have on a daily basis, I'd say it's pretty equal to be honest. Okay. It's depending on where you live. Mm-hmm. It can either be a great experience to be LGBT or it can be absolute trash. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that it discriminates based on gender mm-hmm. or how you look or what you feel like or anything like that. It literally is. It's an individual experience. It's mm-hmm. it's what you make of it as well. It's whether mm-hmm. or not you put up the fight. I know several people who are still in the closet, who are still in supposedly straight relationships, living their best lives. Um, I've had people within the grime scene who have reached out asking me how I do what I do, um, mm-hmm. saying that they've been a certain way back in the mm-hmm. day and they're kind of like covering it up and whatever. And it's you 
these people are struggling and they're they're seeing the lack of visual representation kind of taking it personally yeah. that if they were to come out then this would happen and that would happen um so i think it, it really is an individual experience it's down to what you make of it and hopefully it's as good for you as possible and how do you think you mentioned um people in the grime scene how do you think media music how do you think we can change things to gosh um <laughs> I don't I don't know. Mm. I just don't know. Um I would never put activist above my name or next to my name because I'm not I report on stories and basically say what's out there. I've only been in this role for like 3 months. So for me it's I see what's out there and just tell the people it. Um but my Instagram DMs are an absolute mess of people basically <laughs> coming out and outing themselves and talking about gay experiences. How do I feel <laughs> like this? What am I going to do? Like you can be out there and be so proud of being LGBT, why can't I? etc 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 from people with many blue ticks next to their name and whatever yeah. else. So yeah, it's yeah. I don't 100%. know. We're not in a good place um for people to come out with a platform as yet. We're just not. Yeah. Um you can see some shining examples over the past few weeks and months. Yeah. Um but I think that some people have still had a huge, like, uh, whether it's a music label behind them or whether it's great PR behind them or young fans who really support them. Yeah. But for several people, they'll just never get the opportunity. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like Little Nas. Little Nas exactly. came out and, you know, people people supported him. You know yeah. what I mean? He was he was making jokes out of it. And I remember, like, my man then were, like, sending it in the group, retweeting it, like, oh, this guy's a joker. Do you know what I mean? But definitely, I know what you mean, like, in terms of, like, people that are in, in like, a music in a music genre, like, grime, that's just, mm-hmm. like, considered yeah. to be, be so greasy and so gritty. Yeah. Like... I know, I know that it's hard because I got I got friends in 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 Grime that are part of the L- LGBT community, and it's like, you know, there's one girl called um, FFS White and Wido, yeah, she's crazy. Like you need to check her out, yeah. So her at is FFS Wido, yeah, <laughs> and she's lesbian. And the things that she talks, it's just so sick. Like she'll do freestyles like about 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 like her girl and that, and it's just like. This is lit, but it's that representation. I think that it needs to get pushed a bit more, like rather than like push to the side. Do you know what I mean? Like so, people like her. There's other MCs as well that have, that have come out, and I think like what you're saying, like people coming to your DM saying that like, it's hard for them. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like having, I think that's part of the process. Like having someone like you, who's someone obviously you're not saying you're an activist, mm-hmm. but it's that representation, isn't it? So they can see that they know that you're you're doing well in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So because I feel like people feel like it might be a hindrance. So like, especially like a grime MC, they might think, Rob, mm. like, am I, I'm like, is this gonna affect my music career? Do you know what I mean? What's that whole stigma? Yeah, idea is that, isn't it? But yeah. Uh, obviously, it's down to people's understanding. I think it's down to down to the way that we understand things and the way that we take in things as well. Yeah, well, I think yeah, like representation is really important. I think it has to be met with like more than that as well, though. Yeah. You know, because like we're in this interesting spot now where like pretty much all of my friends like were cast for like adverts or like something like yeah. over pride season da, da, da. like yeah i got all these free clothes from levi's right for doing uh, this documentary yeah. the, which Milk. they um which they like yeah. sponsored or whatever and it was all about queer history and that's cool and that's fine and i got like have enough denim like to last me until i'm like <laughs> 105 and that's cool and then like i remember i ca- came out with like these bags and then saw two of my friends from New York who are like in this, you know, beautiful, beautiful queer POC relationship, like on the massive like TV advert yeah. thing outside H&M on Oxford Street. And it actually just made me cry, like not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> not in a good way. <laughs> it, it's, I don't know. It was like, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, just, I, I was physically tired from carrying all of this yeah, like all of these of clothes and like I saw it and I just kind of felt like this isn't like the revel- this isn't well, yeah. we, this isn't the liberation we've been waiting for I'm like I'm, I, I turned 30 this year so I'm old now right but there's something in that too because I think I grew up a lot on the principles of like anti-capitalism and like just like you know wider structural issues mm-hmm. that like pervade our lives and like everything and I've done a lot of like casework jobs and really intense mental health jobs and stuff like that um and so it upset me seeing that because I just felt I I actually texted like this person I'm seeing and I was like you know I'm crying outside H&M because this isn't this isn't like the liberation and they were like well you know your bank account's liberated for now so just get in a car and come home you know (laughs) like you're good but um it's we need so much more than that like representation is good but it feels very like um unsustainable to me you know I'm like mm. what? where is this 
going, you know, like these select and still these people who are being selected as representatives, they look a certain way, you know, they still like they're still ticking like a lot of like very specific, like light skin, thin, Mm -hmm. you know, able bodied boxes, Mm -hmm. model esque, really like. Mm -hmm. So we're being like curated buy brands you know for money and like we can't say no like I have a lot of I have friends too who are like doing amazing work doing amazing stuff in nightlife like really like completely revolutionizing that Mm. scene creating spaces and then you know alcohol brands you know are coming with money that you can't say no to Mm. um and then and so that we're also you know like they're the faces of different you know while at the same time trying to really trying to sustain spaces outside of alcohol dependent you know there's just a lot going on and yeah. it's actually it's a really tricky situation and i do fe- i fear a little bit for for the for the youngers you know because they're seeing i think they're seeing that as the goal now some mm. some of them i mean i don't know they're like way smarter than like i could imagine probably and like than i was when i was that age but also i think that's where we're kind of trapped in a really intense like cycle of like branding ourselves and, and using our identities to make money I mean that's what I'm doing I mean that's what that's what we're doing we're also here we're talking on an LGBTQ podcast you know what I mean like mm-hmm. like because we're, because that's part of our identity and like it's profitable right now yeah. and that really scares me and I think that's why for me like as much as we want to do those things and get that money because we have to and we deserve it it's also like I'm like what's happening on the ground yeah. right like what is there for those people who like might not look that way or might never have that platform or like mm. just want to come out and like live their lives and like yeah. don't want to be like a torch holder for like mm. gayness do you know what I mean because like mm. you shouldn't have to you no, get like you know you shouldn't have to um what's there for them to help them process their emotions and and to feel safe and like you know feel you, okay yeah. yeah you spoke a little bit about pride um before that yeah. and that this this year you went with Levi um what is that I did they did um, so there's a new museum opening called Queer Queer Britain um, and they commissioned with with Levi's and Galdem who I write for as well they commissioned a um, documentary series so they chose like four young queer people to go and speak to a queer elder yeah. in community, which was really cute, actually. So I ended mm. up speaking to... Oh, sorry, that's my... I don't know why it does that. I ended up mm. speaking to um, DJ Ritu, who's, like, uh, started basically in in the late 80s, like a cutie pock club night, but I think okay. specifically geared towards queer South Asians. But, okay. um, yeah, it's called Club Carly. It still goes on now. Yeah. It's amazing. So we talked about that. And did you celebrate Pride? I went to Black Pride. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I also pl- I used to DJ the Black Pride after party, which is really cute. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, I saved all my Pride energy. I've actually never been to Pride, um, like the the kind of commercial Pride. It's also my yeah. birthday that weekend, so like commercial Pride. I'm yeah. dead. That's so commercial pride. <laughs> How do you feel about commercial Pride? <laughs> I think this is why. It's so fascinating when people group the LGBT community in one Mm. bubble Mm. because they neglect the fact that within that community or supposed community, you Mm. have so many views and opinions. Mm -hmm. We're not one being that thinks and acts the same way. Exactly the same. Exactly. (laughs) That's what people think. People always think It's the same with BAME, I guess. It's exactly the same with BAME. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know who told anyone I have the same experiences as a Chinese man living in... (laughs) I don't know, wearing Buckingham shit. But apparently, according to many different boards, we do, and we're just a Bane person, and that's yeah. us. Um, Put people yeah, in a box, man. That, exactly. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's easy to do that and kind of neglect the fact that we do think and act differently. And on that point, I think the commercialization of Pride, for me, is something that it doesn't really affect me too much because... Say for this weekend, this Prague Pride, um, when I had my LGBT YouTube channel, which is still up, that I can't post on because I now have BBC rules. Yeah. But plug it, when I, plug it, plug yeah, it, plug it, plug yeah, it. When I had that, um, it was fascinating because I was getting all of these different um, offers to, to promote various things. Um, and now that I've kind of got LGBT platforms back um, and I'm kind of building those platforms now, even this weekend for Prague Pride, I was offered a few thousand pounds to go to this Pride. They'll pay for everything. They just want me to walk and kind of like wave a flag or whatever. It is fascinating how activism is now being branded. Mm. But, and this is a big but, I don't really see it as a negative thing mm-hmm. at all. Um 
I studied medicine in Malaysia. I went there. That was my university experience. After that, um, working for BBC Africa as a presenter for them. I was on the continent every other week and I was speaking to people within various different countries where they cannot celebrate Pride, where they cannot walk out their houses proud of who they are. They can't Mm -hmm. post on social media about Pride. Mm -hmm. How blessed we are to be in a position that we can walk down Oxford Street, one of the biggest, most commercial streets in the world, look up and see rainbows and someone holding hands with another same-sex person. Mm -hmm. I think it is... I think it, it's quite, um, how can I put it? I think I, I can see both sides, obviously, and for BBC impartiality, I have to see both sides. But I think from from my perspective, we are in such a blessed opportunity to kind of just see ourselves reflected that to almost dig deep and blame brands for wanting to promote us is scary. Um, because this is what we've been fighting for for so long. Yes, it may have gone too far in one way, but we are so lucky to have the opportunity to see that visual representation. Um, when there was all of the arguments about the the LGBT sandwich that MNS were making, which mm. was supporting Albert Kennedy Trust, um, I just had to take a step back from it. And people were asking, like, why are you not reporting on it? Why are you not reporting on it? I was like, because, you know, honestly, I really have nothing to say. Mm. Because for me, it's a brand that wanted to do something to show that they were supporting LGBT people. And they are a commercial entity. They sell things. What else were they going to do? They're going to sell something with a flag on it. They're going to sell something that has LGBT on. Yes, it can generate money. They tried to root some of it towards a charity. But I think to to kind of distance ourselves from these brands who are ultimately using identity, yes, to promote themselves. At the same time, they're promoting LGBT equality. They're promoting acceptance. They're promoting love. Where's the problem with that? Damn. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to that? Respond. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is why it's a conversation. Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's a bit of both as well. I think we can easily feel quite challenged to like take a strong position on like either side of these things. And I think it's it's actually okay to also be like, yeah, both of those things, right? Yeah. Like, both of those things are true. Like, I totally agree with you. Like, we're blessed, you know? And if I had to, like, write a list of all the problems in the world, you know, the fact That's that it. I got paid, you know, by a brand mm. to fucking talk about, oops, sorry, <laughs> to talk about being gay is not going to be, like, high on that list. Um, but then I think at the same time, we, we also get to, like, have a slightly, like, icky feeling about it mm. if we want to, like, because... Mm. Because like nothing's simple, you know. So it's like within within our community, there's loads of people. There's people that have different ideas about things, and then there's even as an individual person, you can hold multiple ideas about something as well, right? So I think it's it is like it's all of that, but there, break there down, is though. there's like there's like there's a larger sustainability question for me around that because I'm like we are so lucky and this is great, but I also think it's a trick of capitalism for us to be made to feel like we're so lucky. You know, it's like you're so lucky that these brands who essentially like run the world and have so much power are okay with you being gay. And we're actually going to use your bodies to help, you know, promote us and our image. And that is that it could be much worse than that. But I'm also like, and what? Where do we where do we go from there? Like, is that going to be forever? Are they going to move on to something else? Like, which bodies are they using? What are this? What are the stipulations around that money? Like, and I do I honestly do think it's scary the way that like queerness is becoming complicit with advertising mm-hmm. in general you know because like you know you're scrolling instagram and i'm like i don't know if my friends are talking to me or if they're advertising to me at this mm. point you know um yeah that's so interesting. I, I think that's but scary isn't that, i think for this we've become so mainstream and i don't see i don't see the fear of it I think we've we've for a long time we've fed into a capitalist society. For a long time we've been scrolling through Instagram and been sold things to the point that it's less social media and it's now a marketing platform. I think for queer bodies and queer people to now encounter those same opportunities, well, it's been a long time coming. It should have been that way from the beginning. So I think it's it's I've I would genuinely love to be educated on this about why it's such an issue because I can obviously see why it's bad for for organisations to be making money from LGBT people. I get it in some way. But what is the negative? Like where, what is the bad thing about it? Or is it, or is it just, is it just like a, an ongoing fear that it's almost a a worry that they're just, you're, they're using us now. But then they've used people for ages. They've used beautiful people. They've used mixed race people. They've used skinny people. Why now is it a worry for queer people to become mainstream and to be used in that same way? 
Yeah, I think it's not like suddenly become a worry. I think maybe people who are concerned with it are people who've been like worried about capitalism for a long time, you know? So capitalism didn't just become an issue because queer people are now taking part in it or whatever, you know, or like are now like the face of it. Like capitalism's been an issue. And like if we're looking in a, you know, a big, if we're looking at the big picture here, like those same like images that you were describing to us of like being in places and countries and towns where you can't celebrate pride where you can't be who all of that is linked to capitalism you know like all of that is linked to like global superpowers and like the structures of the you know like all of that mm. stuff colonialism all of that so it's 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 a larger question i think of about power so it's like on the on the on the zoom in the fact that like many of my good good friends are like getting paid money by by brands to to say stuff whatever do stuff i'm like live your best life sweetie mm-hmm. like absolutely like I, it's it's actually like you know, it's my duty as as their friend to like support them in that and not make them feel shameful or anything like that. And then also at the same time, you can have a critical eye. And I think a lot of my friends who are engaging in it do have that critical eye at the same time. You know, I think you ha- I think you have to be a little bit critical because we're talking about we are talking about the same thing ultimately, which is like which is about like the structures of the world and the way that they oppress certain people and like advertising agencies are not going to fight for us if it you know when it really comes down to it, they're not. I get you. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's a fine line. It's a fine line. Because I get what you're both saying. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I know there's an agenda behind things, but you also have to be like, at least we're here, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But at least, at least we're here and we'll be smart about it and we'll be yeah, critical about it and we'll keep up, you know? It's like, hard. Like, because what you're mentioning, the, game, the, the really. higher powers, it's mad, isn't it? They, they, every, mm-hmm. I feel like these brands know exactly what they're doing when they're doing something. Do you they know do. What I mean? like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they I think do. It's the case for many different communities as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely completely get where you're coming from yeah and I guess as some you know as someone who's working with the like day-to-day mental health effects you know Mm -hmm. of of all of this stuff I'm just like you know I want to see like some Levi's or something just like build a mental cutie punk mental health center do you know what I mean that would like Mm -hmm. there'd be nothing to them like that's that's the kind of stuff that's the next when we start when we start seeing that I'm like all right I'm in say it take me you know and maybe we are going maybe we are going and I don't know so like I'm open to it I'm keeping all the doors open but I'm just I'm watching I'm watching yeah all right boom yeah so what we like to do on this podcast every week is ask our wonderful guest to bring an item yeah that represents the topic oh yeah Oh yeah, piece of literature. Mm. You know what? I tried but, with the poem. I read like I'm not really a big poetry guy. Like I tried. I read like twelve poems last night. I was like, bring a poem, bring a poem. And I was just like, I'm not. I'm not bringing a poem. Have you bought anything? Yeah, I did. You did. Okay. I was gonna say like your tattoo, God adores you, is a great piece of literature. Oh my god! I saw it. Thank you. I know. Jeez. I do. I have a tattoo that says God adore you over here. Wow. Because I watched this. I watched this little film, a really cute film about like faith and and gain, queerness and blah blah blah. And there was like this like Nigerian priest on it. He's. I should really. I can't. G Day. I can't. Reverend G Day. Probably. I don't is he know. in the UK at the moment? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. G-Day. Yeah. yeah. He's, He's just Mama amazing. G-Day. He's just amazing. Everything. And he was he was on there and he, he was like, it's the, God, the person was like, what do you say to people who are like, you can't be gay and be a priest? And he's like, I say, God adores you. Gay. <laughs> like, yeah. God yeah. adores you. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, I got well, God adores you. God adores you. I don't know. If anyone says anything to you on the tube or if they're like angry, yeah. you're just like, God adores you. Yeah, I know. I love it. They're just like, what? Gay. Gay. Um, so yeah, there is that. Thank you. But no, I also brought. <laughs> so there is that item. There is that item. <laughs> and then I also okay, I brought my medication oh, in my great. cute little my little pill box. Pill box. <laughs> um, because I think for me this just like signifies shame a little bit, and I think you know mm. we just we all have a lot of shame around different things, and like if you're queer, if you're like I don't know. Um, have disability or like deal with mental health stuff actively there's just a lot that you can feel shame around so mm. a lot of my work is just about trying to like release the shame yeah. and just like be who you are um and I think specifically there's a lot of shame around taking medication as well or like mm-hmm. indicating to anyone that like yeah. you are in some way like need extra oh, yeah. help mentally yeah. or 100%. any in any way yeah. so yeah I just kind of grabbed this on my way out and it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently um and I started a medication a year ago that's like completely changed my life and my like experience oh, yeah. of like day-to-day living mm. 
it's just kind of mad. But that's, that's a different podcast. But yeah, smiley faces on every single day. Yes, and, and then, they're glittery, they shimmer, <laughs> glittery so smile. I just smile looking at that. <laughs> that's what I bought. Ben, did you bring anything? Yes, I did. So mine is actually on Spotify, um, and it is this. It is the complete Cass Elliot solo collection. So this is a lady called Mama Cass. Um, a lot of people don't know Mama Cass, but Mama Cass was everything. And okay. for me, she uh, signifies acceptance and love and finding yourself and kind of just going with it. So Mama Cass um, was part of Mamas and Papas. Uh, so yeah. she did like California Dreaming. And also, yeah. if you know, Dream a Little Dream of Me, Stars Shining Bright. Yeah, that's a banger. Banger. Um, so she was part of this group and she was a very big, hefty, fat white woman <laughs> who lived her best life with yeah. an incredibly soulful voice. And yeah. she would always um, give two middle fingers up to uh, to people who didn't want her to interact with mm. like black people and black artists. She would appear alongside like Sammy Davis Jr. and sing with him, yeah. be in bed with him on TV, singing a song, yeah. um, literally just saying like, absolutely F you to anyone that's going to like stop me being a big fat white woman yeah. living my best life and for me she just she really helped me to understand myself um she very unfortunately died um very young but she didn't kind of like get to really fulfill her potential but um when I was first coming to terms with my sexuality and when I did get like pushed out of my school um my mum put a Mama Cass vinyl on my bed and kind of like left it for me oh, and no. I'd never yeah. even heard of this woman before this moment you have to understand this, this. No, so yeah. when I put this vinyl on <laughs> um, the first song was called Make Your Own Kind of Music and it kind of talks about like yeah just make your own kind of music um, sing you. your own special song blah 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 make yeah. your own kind of music um, even if nobody else sings along it's like just living your best life um, then she's got so many other songs um, about kind of like leaving places if they're bad for you and kind of just going off and just doing your own thing and that's it spurred me to go and just be me so the reason I went to university in Malaysia and kind of like got that full scholarship to go abroad was because I was like, you know what, London, I'm done with you. I don't need mm-hmm. to be here anymore. I'm kind of like leaving all of this bad behind and going elsewhere. And there's so many moments in my life that can kind of like be linked to Mama Cass songs. And it's weird. Like, hopefully I'm not heading for an early death, but she, her songs have just been kind of underlining specific key moments in my life. So, yeah. All out to Mama Cass. I want to listen now. I know yeah. some of the songs that you're talking about. She's everything, um, yeah. like literally everything. I'm surprised that, in fact, no, someone did rip off her song the other day. What is her name? Is it Paloma Faith? She did oh, make I love it. The way you're like, she I'm did. Gonna... You know what it is? It's like, ah, oh, it's that moment of like gentrification mm. where Aww. something that you has held like so much meaning to mm. you. And Tom and I were driving to his parents in Cambridge, and then um, this person like introduced a song, and she's like, okay, so this is Make Your Own Kind of Music by Paloma Faith. And I turned to Tom, I was like, excuse me. And <laughs> And then the, the song played yeah. and just hearing her version of it, yeah. which had no soul, which was so auto. You need yeah, to just, just listen to both yeah. of them and just compare them. Yeah. And just imagine my face because yeah. it's something that no one knew. And then suddenly this song was everywhere, getting like BBC yeah. plays and everything yeah. without actually crediting the original artist yeah. who like meant so much to me. So it was one of the first moments I actually fully felt what some people feel like when their favorite things are kind of like turned out to be mainstream. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a horrific moment. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was so upset by it. But again, it's good. Representation is good. So I'm sure yeah. some people went online and kind of like Googled it and got like yeah, so did that the back vocals. history and stuff. Um but yeah, she's she's an incredible artist and she has really, really helped me. And her album, weirdly, this is very odd, um, Later in life, I found out that her album was used as a soundtrack for a gay film called Beautiful Thing, which is all about two gay guys who live on a counter estate who are very straight acting, kind of like both in like football teams and stuff, and Mm. they fall in love. Um, And it's a film from like the 90s and um, it's an incredible film. It's been made into like plays and whatever else after and like books. Um, But... Mama Cass' music is used within that film. Mm-hmm. And I only found that out later. So actually, mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's like a thing for, for Mama Cass. I don't know whether my mum would come across the film. I have no idea. But whatever it is, Mama Cass' music really, really has helped the community in a weird way. Mm. On the topic of films, mm-hmm. do you think that there are any good films out there to watch if you are struggling with 
coming out or even just if you are hell yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 um beautiful thing yeah beautiful thing is a very good one to start with is that uk is that uk it's uk okay so um it's, good, it's from yeah. back in the day and there are there's no unnecessary sex scenes or anything like that <laughs> just so you know it is just necessary ones no because i find that a lot of Quality. a lot of like lgbt films and this is this is weird like growing up <laughs> when i was trying to find like positive representation and i was watching some films that were like said to be like gay things that were mm. like help you come to terms with it it was just sex it was yeah. just glorified porn there's <laughs> just there's so much porn out there already we don't need it in like hollywood too much <laughs> <laughs> but within within beautiful thing, there's like there's yeah. none of that. It kind of just, it really like strips it back to just being about love and finding love and acceptance. And they the guys like kind of run off to a, a queer pub and experience their first like drag queen night. Aww. And it's it's all of that. It's just like it's things that I went through. That I can kind of watch and just be like, oh my gosh. And even we were talking earlier about like sleepovers and stuff. And in this, and one of the guys like really wants to do something, but it's just like no, I need to hold myself back because I don't know if the person's Aww. gay or not. And it's all the things that I would have gone through and many other people go through when they're growing up gay or queer um so that's great um what else wait while i think of the next one go yeah on, jump yeah on. right okay there's moonlight of course yeah. oh that's a banging beautiful film. What a just film. beautiful um and also there's a film called pariah um pariah. yeah which is about like a young black girl i think i think it's us based yeah um coming out to her mom and it's just like it's my favorite it's like my favorite film mm. it's a little heavy so it's like it, um Pariah. I think that's okay. I think it's like it's, it could be a really cathartic watch for some people. It's just like beautifully written. It was actually made as a student film by someone who was doing like an MA in film or something. Mm. It's short. It's like maybe uh, like an hour. Yeah, it's really short, but it's um, just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Any other? There's a lot. You know what? It's Google it. Pop and, a list. Yeah, <laughs> hit those lists because there's so much. Yeah. And just be wary of the Netflix LGBTQ section because that's... Really? Well, yeah. I can't even go in, so I'm going to allow you to go in. Yeah. <laughs> what were you saying? It's not levels. It's, it's, not, what, it's, it's what you were saying before. It's like mm-hmm. kind of like just soft soft porn. Uh, really, really poor like writing. Uh, yeah, like we, like we don't deserve good art or something. I don't know. It's sad. <laughs> You deserve it. <laughs> um, also, shout out Brown Mums for like leaving music on beds. My mum also did that with me, yeah. but left like Brown left Mums Kate Bush, like leaving these really? like queer icons for us, like <laughs> which was about ten years before I came out. So like, I don't know what's like. That's so juicy. I love it. Oh my god, no, Kate Bush is a little bit. I mean, <laughs> that's a vibe. That's actually a vibe. Yeah, how I just weird. love that. Yeah. I love how they just have to leave it there as well. Like, you want to, no eye contact. No Do you know what I mean? No eye contact. It's just, that's really cute. Take this. We need this. This is my It's like, it's really cute. Boom. So that was Ben Hunt. And that was Aisha Mazar. Hey guys, if you're loving the podcast and want to support the cause, make sure to rate and review us. Make sure you tell your friends and follow us on Insta and Twitter at This Is Spoke Pod. Pod. <laughs> 
That's stamps.com. Code program.